0: Do I have some amens? Are y'all there? Amen. I mean, if y'all want to get out of here, we've got to get after this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quickly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which is God with us. Let us pray. Father, we praise you so much for the, for what this season truly is. And Father, again, I ask that each and every person in this room watching online and Father, the ones that are not here and they may not even be listening, that they understand that, that they know what this true, what the true meaning of this season is, Father. And we praise you for that gift, the gift of your son. Uh, Father, without that, Without that sacrifice, Father, all of us would not have the eternal life that you have also been able to gift to us through your son. I praise you for that. I praise you for your grace and mercy. And Father, I also praise you for just having the courage to be able to send your son down here as that sacrifice. I praise you for that. Father, today you've given me a word, um, a little different direction than what I was expecting a week ago, but I praise you for that because I've learned a lot from it, just studying for this sermon and preparing it and I praise you again, Father, just for the opportunity to get to stand up here and be a small part of of, of your church and being able to do that and Father, I also want to thank you for the this season father this uh, this holiday season. one thing I love about this is the families that come together, uh, the friends that come and visit, uh, just looking around this room. Uh, It gets me choked up to see Jesus brings people together. It's a beautiful thing. Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, that you take all distractions, lack of confidence, pride, take all that away from me, Father, and replace it with your wisdom, your knowledge, and most importantly, Father, your love. ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. In churches all around the world today, guys, pastors are standing at the pulpit and they're preaching about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the birth. For a couple months now, I planned on doing the exact same thing, but Monday morning I woke up and God had me go a different direction. There was a father, this man, he lived up in New York, in the New York area, and had been married to his wife for 40 years. He had two children, a son and a daughter. And about a week before Christmas, he picks up the phone and calls his son, who lives down in Miami. And he says, son, your mother is driving me insane. I'm going to divorce her. The son says, dad, you can't do that. Y'all been married 40 years. There's nothing bad enough that y'all can't get through. Y'all always had this loving marriage and so forth. And he said, son, I'm not going to listen to you. This woman is crazy. I'm going to divorce her son kept talking dad said listen call your sister i ain't talking to you no more. And He hung up the phone so the son calls his sister says you ain't gonna believe this mom and dad dad talking about getting divorced said mom was crazy so forth sister was like well she's a little crazy but that's okay doesn't need to get divorced and she said i'll call dad so the sister picks up the phone calls the dad says dad you can't do this Y'all been married 40 years. There's nothing that can be bad enough that y'all can't get through this and so forth. And he said, listen, I'm telling you right now, we're getting a divorce. And she says, well, me and my brother, I'm going to go get it. We're going to fly up there and we're going to come see you guys. We're going to talk all this out. Old man hangs up the phone, looks at his wife and grins real big and says, they're coming home for Christmas. (laughs) And it didn't cost him a dime. These children, guys, they were willing to drop everything they were doing and travel a long distance to get to their father. Over 2,000 years ago, there were a group of men that were just like these kids. They, too, were willing to drop everything they were doing, guys, travel an extremely long distance to see their heavenly father. These men are known today as the wise men. In Matthew chapter 2, these wise men teach us some valuable lessons, guys, but the problem is a lot of us don't catch these lessons that God is trying to show us through his written word because most of us think of these three wise men as the three kings who brought gifts to baby Jesus the night before, or excuse me, the night of his birth. We believe this a lot of times, we believe this story because obviously that's what we've been taught. It's what we've been taught. We've all seen the nativity scenes and so forth. These are the lessons, these are the things that parents have taught us or churches have taught us and so forth. But the thing is, I want to go a little deeper today. And I want to really look into the story of these three wise men because a lot of people don't understand this. But this story is actually full of danger, determination, courage, redirection, and obedience. Today's title is Lessons from the wise. If you have your Bibles, guys, turn to chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 2. That's this story. We're gonna be there the rest of this sermon. You'll give me some amens when you get there. Let's start with Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men some translations say magi from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking where is the newborn king of the Jews we saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him there's a few things we need to get from this verse number one we've always been taught it was the three kings like we all sang the song right we three kings we've all sang that as children and even as adults but if you notice that's not biblical guys it says some wise men there's not one place in the Bible, nowhere, that says there were three wise men, three kings. That is, it's not biblical. So I need you all to pick that up first. And then magi. Okay, so magi, a lot of people go, what is that? And, and the thing is, that word has actually been beat up a lot because they think that it means like magic and sorcery and so forth. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson. The, the person that actually started the magi was Daniel from the Old Testament, he was the guy that could interpret dreams. He could, he could see visions and so forth. And he started this group of men called the Magi. Magi are actually priests that study the stars. That's what they are. And obviously, they knew what they were doing because this star took them to Jesus. So they're actually they're great. It's not anything of a, a sorcery nature or anything like that. The main point, though, guys, that we need to take from verses 1 and 2 is not about how many men there were. It's not about what their profession was or anything. It is how far these men traveled to worship. It says up here from eastern lands, okay? On today's map, Babylon, that's where they came from, would be very close to Baghdad. Which means these wise men would have traveled over 900 miles to get to Bethlehem. You, you know, we've all heard the, the saying, as a crow flies, right? Okay, okay. So, so what I need to this the, it, as a donkey walks in the desert, it would take them, 900 miles would take them minimum three to four months to get there. Three to four months minimum it would take them to get to bethlehem now here's the point i'm trying to make these men were willing to travel to drop everything they were doing guys i need you to understand this i want you to think about it leave their families and you know some of them probably took their families which might have been worse you know you're traveling on a donkey for four months you know your wife ain't gonna be real happy about it you know what i'm saying but guys these men dropped everything they were doing to travel that distance 900 miles just to worship jesus here's the point problem is we got a lot of christians right now that are complaining about waking up on sunday morning and driving 20 minutes to go to church amen that's the problem guys these men were willing to do anything absolutely and you know that, that's where we struggle you know we wake up on sunday morning i'm tired i had to work late or maybe you was doing something else on Saturday night you shouldn't have done. That's why you're tired. You know, cowboys play at noon. Something like that. They always try to give these excuses. When you start thinking about these men that were willing, again, to drop everything they had and travel that kind of distance. We take this for granted, guys. I mean, we are in a country where we have the freedom to do this. The freedom to show up every Sunday and worship our Father in heaven. Let's go look at uh, Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read verses 3 through 6. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Now, I need you to understand the reason why it says everyone is because they were disturbed because King Herod was disturbed. He was not a very nice king. Okay, understood that? It's kind of like, you know, happy wife, happy life. You know what I'm saying? Cool. Okay, so he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Verse 5, in Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for the people of Israel. Okay, this is what's frustrating. This is the lead priest, his lead teachers, these religious people. They're quoting scripture, guys. They're quoting scripture. They know the word. They know it front and back. They're, they're quoting the prophet Micah, who their prophet is who they're quoting. Guys from Bethlehem, excuse me, yeah, from, from, from Bethlehem to where, Je, or excuse me, where Jesus was born, where they were, and then when Jesus was born. i got to get this right. I'm sorry. These men were seven miles away. Seven miles. They know the Scripture. Jesus is closer to them than it was the wise men who had to travel 900 miles, and they still couldn't find Jesus. Those wise men, here's the difference. They followed the light. They didn't study a bunch of... I'm sure they did. They're very smart. They studied scripture, but they knew good and well that to find Jesus, it was going to take more than just knowledge. They knew it would have to be a belief. They would have to have the faith in that star that took them there. There are a lot of so-called Christians like this today, guys. I, i The problem is a lot of them are in church leadership, to be honest with you. Unfortunately, this is a big reason why we have increasingly empty churches all across America today. Because like Herod's leading priest, his leading priest, we have people in the pulpits who are intelligent, religious. They know that Bible front and back. But they don't have a personal relationship with God. I want you to think about it, guys. Again, these wise men traveled 900 miles They're only seven miles away. Can't find him. The second thing that we need to catch from these two verses, guys, is don't rely on others to lead you to Jesus. Herod relied on these lead priests and teachers to show him Jesus. These were the most religious people he knew, but they still couldn't lead him to the Savior. Guys, you can't rely on others to lead you to Jesus. You need to seek him yourself. You need to find him yourself. I can sit up here and preach to you until I'm blue in the face. I can read every scripture. I can tell you a ton of stories. I can do all that. But I'm going to tell you right now, until you yourself finally seek God, you're not going to find him. I I can read every scripture to you. Every bit of it. Guys, the, the problem that we have in this world is, is there's a lot of, and I, and I hate this, but from the time Jesus died until now, there's been a lot of religion that's been taught and not relationship. Religion is not going to get you to Jesus. You have to have a relationship. Let's go look at Matthew two seven through eight then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared then he told them go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child and when you find him come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him okay most of us know this but Herod lying okay Herod just wants to trick him right here he wants to kill Jesus that's what he wants to do now let's go look at verse nine through ten Then, or excuse me, yeah, there we go. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. These verses are showing us that when we truly seek God, guys, you'll find him. You'll find him. Matthew 7, 7 tells us this, you know, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will open, so forth. That's what this verse means in Matthew 7, 7. It's the exact same thing as what these wise men are setting the example of here. If you simply seek God, guys, just like these wise men, you will find him. And I want you to catch in verse 10 where it says, then uh, they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Okay. When you see Jesus, this is something you need to understand. When you get that relationship with Jesus, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When they saw Jesus, they had joy because there was an anointment of the Holy Spirit. The cool thing is now is now that Jesus has died on the cross and left us that helper, left left us the Holy Spirit, now all we got to do is seek him, and we receive all those fruits, and one of them is joy. And I guarantee you there's some people sitting in here today that needs some joy. Seek Jesus, you get your joy, and peace, and love, and harmony, and all those other great things. That's the thing. I mean, I don't know what I did before that. I really don't. Let's look at uh, verse 11. Matthew two eleven, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Now, obviously, again, I know a lot of you know this, but some people don't. Uh, guys, this, it says a house, it doesn't say a manger. This is after Jesus is born. I need y'all to understand that. This is a point in time where Mary is actually living in a house with Joseph and, and Jesus. So, so I need y'all to grasp this. The, the nativity scene that we all see is, is not accurate. It's a cool thing. It's great. And I'm not arguing about it. I have like five. I mean, it's cool, right? But I just need y'all to understand that that story, the nativity story is not accurate This is accurate. The Bible is always accurate, okay? So, anyway, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down to him and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I know all of us know it. We sang the songs and so forth, but here's the cool thing about these three things. They they all have a symbolic meaning, all of these. Gold symbolizes kingship. Frankincense symbolizes worship. And myrrh represents death and mourning. But one of these gifts, guys, means a lot more to the story than just a symbolic meaning. The gold that was given to Jesus and his family by these wise men played a huge role in the future of this family. One thing that we've learned from the Bible is that Mary and Joseph were poor. And the way that we learn this is later on after Mary had had Jesus and she had to go to the temple and be purified. That's what they had to do after a woman gave birth. To be purified, you have to give an offering. The offering was a lamb. If you didn't have enough money to give a lamb, or if you didn't have a lamb to give because you didn't have the money, the second choice, another option for poor people, was a dove. And that's what Mary gave. So we know that Mary and Joseph didn't have a lot of money. And here's another way that we know this. When they left Nazareth, I need you to grasp this. Joseph, I'm sure, had a job. But when he left Nazareth and went to Bethlehem, he was leaving his job. He didn't have a job, no income. And you may say, well, Micah, how do you know that? Well, then let's skip a little further. See, Herod later on in this story, if you go read the rest of it in chapter 2, Herod was going to go and kill Jesus. He wanted to kill all the kids that were the age of two or younger because he knew Jesus was in that age frame. And an angel came to Joseph again in a dream and said, you have to flee here and you have to go to Egypt. So Joseph leaves Nazareth, goes to Bethlehem, ain't got no job, ain't got no money now. And then he's got to go to Egypt. On a very expensive trip. And they were there for quite a long time. Guys, here's what I need you to grasp. What do you think paid for that trip? The gold. Here's the moral of the story. If God gives you a mission like he did Joseph and Mary. He says, I need you to go do this for me. If you have the courage to step up and do it. He will provide whatever you need to get through that mission I promise you these these wise men I guarantee they didn't know that they were fixing to leave and go to Egypt they didn't know this those wise men probably didn't know why God told them to give them this gold probably had no clue why and there's a lot of times in life guys that God's gonna put something on your heart and ask you to do and you may not receive confirmation but what you need to understand is just like Mary and Joseph the people that the wise men gave the gold to they did receive confirmation it's not all about you. It's not all about your confirmation. Just as simple as when God puts it on your heart, you've got to follow through with it because it'll help somebody else. Great part of this story. Let's look at verse 12. This verse, guys, it gives us the most important takeaway from this story. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, when it says the wise men left another way, went another route, guys, I realize they did this so they wouldn't see King Herod. I realize they did this because they were fleeing from him. But I also believe that there's a major symbolic meaning from these two words, another way, another route. And here's what it is. When you truly encounter... Jesus Christ you leave differently than you came when you come to Jesus you're a sinner when you accept him you're a forgiven sinner once you meet Jesus guys you'll never be the same never now again y'all can say Micah That's not anything of what this verse says. Well, you can say that, but I'm telling you, when I sat down Monday morning and opened my book and I read that, that's the first thing God put on my heart. Guys, you don't want to go back to that path once you meet Jesus. That's a path you never want to go down again. I can sit here and tell you that personally, from my own experience. When I finally met my Lord and Savior, I don't even want to look back at the path that I was on. Again, guys, when you meet Jesus, you'll never be the same. These men, these three wise men, once they followed through on this mission and they left on another path, I promise you they weren't the same. Those, those men, those, I say three men, those men, we don't know how many, but guys, when they left after seeing Jesus, they were not the same. The problem is, guys, we've got a lot of people, and probably some sitting in this room, that have struggled with that relationship with Jesus. And the biggest reason why is you're not truly seeking him we got a lot of people that talk a good game. we got a lot of people that dive into that Bible, man. we got a lot of people got a lot of that stuff memorized. My question to you is, though, when's the last time you sat down and had a conversation with your father? That means more to him than you memorizing that Bible. I promise you. You need to know it. You need to study it. Knowledge is power. He'll give you wisdom through it. But if you're not sitting down and having a conversation and building a relationship with your Father, it's going to be a struggle. Some of you are struggling right now. That's probably why.